This is the Kingdom Movement Podcast, a place where we will explore through conversation how discipleship, theology, and community really can transform our world. guys, this is Jake with another episode of the Kingdom Movement Podcast, and Paulo is back after uh, a few episodes of absence. Uh, my brother is here. Yes, I'm back. We got our espresso shots. Oh, yeah. We're ready to talk about sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need some mental power yes, for that one. Exactly. So, Paulo, I think we have a few questions set up. Um, that you wanted to present, and then we'll kind of work through those as kind of our baseline. So I'll let you uh, maybe ask the first one if you got it. Yes. So the first question uh, in this topic is, what is the Bible, what is the Bible view of sexuality? Yeah. So kind of what we want to start off with was this idea of, you know, what's the Bible say about sexuality? And then maybe we can even discuss a little bit. I think I'm not an expert by any means on the current cultural climate of sexuality but um yeah let's start with the bible so we're not gonna get super duper in depth because i I think the bible makes it pretty clear and plain but from chapter one it literally says in the creation narrative um and so this is genesis 1 verse 27 so god created human beings and in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them and later on you know this is thousands of years before Jesus. And then later on, Jesus quotes this exact verse um, when he's talking about marriage, actually. But the whole idea is within the ancient world, there wasn't the same idea of gender fluidity, you know, transgenderism. You know, obviously people in the Greco-Roman world, they cross-dressed, they had homosexual activities. That's not what I'm trying to say. But there wasn't this same modern kind of phenomena understanding of you know you're actually the whole they them or the the i don't even know what they all are she he she her he her you know that basically you can change your pronouns you can do all these things that we're living in the modern day with right that when you look on someone's instagram account they they can have those up there so anyways i think that's important to understand because in the biblical narrative it is clear from the beginning, from chapter one of the Bible up into Jesus's day, that there's an understanding that there's male and there's female, right? That is the biblical understanding. Like, if you want to get on YouTube and watch, or yeah, watch a video of someone wacky try to unexplain that, or, you know, I think a lot of times what we'll do is we take what is plain and try and make it say what we wanted to say to back up our ideas. But I would say, that yes, that is the baseline biblical understanding of sexuality. With that said, um, that is not the world that we live in now, right? And which I think kind of leads us into question number two. Is that correct? And do you yes. have any other thoughts you want to add, Paul? Yes. Um, about what you're saying about mm. um, the the first um, passage that God creates the humanity, and I think one of the big things. That passage shows us that in God's view, 
he was making one kind the kind mm. it's na- the kind's name is adam yeah and this kind is in two and when these two come together and then they make or they form the kind the the, the human kind or yep. the adam which is what god was creating so i feel like marriage back in that time what jesus is trying to say in that verse is that um, these two people when these two people come together these two people are becoming this one uh, being or this being that god created which is which, which is a man and woman and they are both called adam and i think that was the questioning that jesus was bringing because they were questioning him about um divorce and everything so god jesus christ was trying to show them how serious it is to be to come together how serious it is to have this covenant this earlier this covenant which is marriage because when you two come together it's something that is very very serious for god Mm -hmm. so it's not something that you just randomly said okay i decide because i don't like this person anymore and then i'll just cut that person out of my life no, it, sorry, I grabbed my phone while you were talking because what you're saying sparks something in my mind too because I think a huge cultural war and part of a lot of the turmoil that's going on with gender, with um, you know sexuality has to do with conflicts between the two sexes, mm-hmm. men and women. Um, and a lot of those issues, I, if you want to look it up, I don't know if it's going to take forever. Uh, there's a verse, I think it's in Genesis 3, or four. It's whenever God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden. But he talks about how there's now going to be conflict between man and woman. And essentially that man is going to try and dominate, right, over the woman. And the woman is um, going to fight against that. And it, it's like this tension between the sexes now exists because of the fall and because of sin. And as you're kind of looking that up... Um, the reason why I'm bringing that up is I feel like a lot of the tension we live at in our world, like, uh, you know, I've just recently heard of the red pill society, right? Which is basically guys who are done with women. They're done with, uh, not like in a homosexual way, but like, uh, all women are, you know, manipulative, manipulative liars. Like, you know, we shouldn't have anything to do with them. And then there's the opposite, right? Very, strong feminism where we don't need men men are you know misogynistic they they're power hungry they they see us as inferior in this battle between who essentially if you break it down to its very base level who gets to hold the power right who's in the power seat is a huge part of the issue of sexuality that we live in today did you find it um are you struggling or if not, I think we can. it's uh, chapter three, verse seventeen to nineteen. Okay, it says, um, "I'm using the message here." Sixteen says, "He told the woman, I'll multiply your pl- your pain in childbirth. You will give birth to your babies in pain. You will want to please your husband, but he will lord it over you." Mm. And he told the man, "Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree." That I commanded you not to eat from. Do not eat from this tree. Uh, the very ground is cursed because of you. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having baby is for your wife. You will be working in pain all your life long. The ground will will sprout through uh, thorns and weeds. You'll get your food. Um, 
the hard way, planting and telling the har- and planting and tilling the harvest, <laughs> sweet, <laughs> sweating in the field, sweating in the field from down to dust until you return to the ground yourself, dead and buried. You start out as dirt, you'll end up as dirt. Mm. So I think the main thing, where was that verse that I was asking the woman that she would, he would overcome her, or overpower her or whatever? Did you? Oh, here it is. I'll sharpen your pain in pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to. Con- so this is the NLT and you will desire to control your husband. So in that one, it was please, mm. but he will rule over you. So that's the verse. So there is that tension, right, mm. between man and woman of who gets to hold the power, who's in control. And I think all of us recognize that tension in society. And I think from a feminist standpoint, they would say, well, men have been in the power seat since day one, and now it's our turn. And men may look at um, society and say, all we can ever do is wrong in women's eyes. So why should we deal with them anymore? Let's just leave because... Um, you know, let's see them kill the spider or, <laughs> you know, or, you know what I mean? Uh, whatever manly stereotype is in that culture. Um, but I think that at its core, that brokenness between the two really drives a lot of this misinformed and misguided sexuality or exploration of sexuality to the point that, you know, one of the conversations that's had is if you are, let's say, having feministic qualities as a male Mm -hmm. i remember growing up and there was a kid in my youth group who was super solid like was really involved in the ministry like was really involved in the youth group would go to all the different ministry events and he was part of kind of the core group of volunteer students that would help uh, a lot of these things so i knew him really well we were really close and he did have some feministic characteristics and part of that is Um, that his dad wasn't in the picture from a very young age. I mean, there's obviously way more that goes into that, but he didn't have a male role model. But I remember we both also went to the same public school or government school for our Botswana listeners, the the government school equivalent. And I remember daily that he would be made fun of and called gay, you know what I mean? Or made fun of for the way that he talked or the things that he liked. And I just remember thinking, you know, even then, like, he's got a very low chance unless he really clings to the truth. Because imagine every day you're bombarded by people um, telling you who you are, right? Um, And so eventually, yeah, as he grew older, he left the church. I don't really know what's going on. I just know that 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 was the lifestyle he chose. That was the, as I would put it, the the voice he decided to believe right was what everyone else was telling him he was and so anyways um i know that everyone's experience on that on i don't know if journey is the right word but i know everyone's experience is different on how they get to that place uh but i think the voices that we listen to and the things that we begin to believe about ourselves really shape um who we are our worldviews what we think about the world what we believe is true deeply shapes um, what we become, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we can jump to the second question. Mm. Um, so last semester, um, for every Monday, for like three, uh, three hours, I had this lecture. 
this class <laughs> that would always focus on their sexuality issues. Yeah. They, they, You're they, a pro then. <laughs> um, that's where I'm going. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that was a lot of hours and I'm still struggle. I still struggle to understand all that. So for me, the next question is, where, how did we get mm. here? How did we get to this culture? Yeah. That is so complex that we can't even understand from something that was only men and women and now we're here. Yeah, to cisgender. I don't even know what that word means, but I've heard it. And again, I'm very naive to all the terminology, Mm -hmm. all the that community, if that makes sense, in the sense of all the ways that they identify themselves as. So to anyone who maybe is living in that community that would be listening to this podcast it we're not here to knock you to say that you know you're this horrible person i just want to give that disclaimer before we talk about it or that i even fully understand um all the nuances of current gender theory or whatever but here's what i would say how did we get here is the question right and if we look at it within a modernist and postmodernist, these are just fancy terms for kind of cultural trends. We landed at this place in the West, and I believe that it's, yeah, I mean, it is here, if that's what your lecture is talking about in Botswana, it is here. Um, we landed at this place where the idea of truth, um, basically truth became synonymous, I feel like, with perspective. And so, essentially, we took away moral truth, moral truth being there are absolute rights, there are absolute wrongs, there are absolute certainties that I can say. So, an example would be that there is morals that are handed down by God that are absolutely true for everybody, right? Because people, essentially, sinful people want to sin without feeling bad about it. (laughs) I mean, if you boil down the human condition, people want to do what they want to do without feeling guilty about it. And so there's tons of dynamics that played into that. The sexual revolution kind of with hippies um, and all that, that era in the Americas really played into this idea of like, we want to be able to do what we want with our bodies, with our our, our minds sexually, whatever we want to do is perfectly fine. So we have to come up with a rationale to justify that, right? And so this idea of my truth, your truth, live your truth, these are um, adages that are said every day, you know what I mean, by people who are living in this postmodern world. And this idea of your and my truth, that there is a, a truth that only belongs to you and only belongs to me, um, really, when you play that worldview out to its conclusion, it's clear that it doesn't just stop with, um, you know, you think sleeping around's okay and I think sleeping around is not okay because the Bible tells me so and you don't believe the Bible. But it, it goes deeper than that, right? Because if we really begin to believe that about ourselves, then there are lots of lies, lots of things that are untrue um, from a biblical worldview that we can begin to believe as our truth. And it really insulates us from having to be reflective and say, are there things about my life that are unhealthy? But if that's who, quote unquote, you are, and you refuse to recognize that you can change or that there is a different truth to live by, um, you'll embrace anything. And really, the idea to, sorry, 
so I don't ramble. There's two thoughts that I want to get on with that. The reality is we all have voices that we're listening to. We are not isolated individuals born in a vacuum, but from day one, the day we were actually formed in our mother's womb, we have genetic dispensations to do dispens. I don't know. That's the right word. Um, we have genetic codes that move us in a, a certain direction because of our parents' choices, lifestyles, their genetics, their family history. We have environments that we grew up in that form and shape the way that we think and act, right? So from day one, we are not an isolated individual that has an individual truth that only belongs to them. But everything that we live by, including our worldview, has been shaped by a community, right? And then two... The reality is no one lives strictly by their own truth because we as a society have laws and rules that say you shouldn't murder someone. Well, what if someone literally in their own mind says, I don't think that's wrong. I think I should be able to take the life of someone else. And I know this is kind of the cliche overdramatic example, but in reality, if your truth and my truth is the only kind of truth there is, then there isn't anything wrong with that person doing it because they're just being them, their genuine selves. But none of us believe that, right? Mm -hmm. None of us say that that's true. But what is the moral footing that we can stand on to say that there's a collective morality? And the argument from secularists might be, you know, whatever is good for the herd or for the species. But again, none of us live that way because as a parent, you know, it's not good for me to not sleep all night or to, you know, like have to put up with my kids shenanigans, but because of self-giving love, I want the best for them. So I'm going to sacrifice for myself for this child. So all of us live and you don't have to be a Christian to do that. That's base human parenting line. You know what I'm saying? And I think the reality is, is all of us live. We live as though there are moral truths that are relevant to all of us. Um, and not just some of us or personalized truths. But there are perspectives that that can change depending on whose shoes you're standing in, right? But I'll yeah. stop talking for a second to give you some space, bro. Yeah. Um, I have big but really big problem with relativism. Mm. I, just, I just don't see that as any philosophy. Um, I just don't see that as something that is backed by any means of uh, truth or any means of logic because the basic truth of relativism is that all truth are relative mm. but then what we're saying that if we're saying all truth are relative and then we're saying that relativism is truth that's yeah. why therefore relativism yes. is relative <laughs> to so, itself <laughs> exactly so we're starting we're defending a philosophy that it's very flawed that mm. philosophy that you can't come and stand and say this is truth because if we're saying that everything is relative then the truth that the truth is relative it's relative you know so it's we're starting from something that is very wrong that's why for me like relativism and postmodern postmodernity which is kind of like very tied to relativism it's something that it's not very very accurate you know mm. i feel like we use postmodern Postmodernism a lot in art and it works sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't work. But not wanting to um, escape from the topic. Uh, so yeah, I feel like because we are doing that, that's why we are having all these uh, very 
controversial uh, ideas of sexuality that it's not that it's becoming this it's bringing this big debate that it's it's this thing that is just growing you know yesterday i was watching this video of someone who says they had uh, they identify as a robot you know so we're adding things there because and then everyone mm. will come and just bring okay this is my truth this is my truth yeah. and i'll be this and then we're just becoming this out of order thing yeah um so yeah for me that's 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 my basic issue when it comes yeah. to that and i think to bring it back to the topic at hand sexuality right because the thing is if you have a, a worldview that doesn't believe in the biblical worldview right um that's not to say uh, that you you must believe in the biblical worldview, even if you don't trust it. But I think what we're trying to get at is the consequences of relativism, right? Mm-hmm. And really that this sexual sexuality, these multiple identities essentially are born from this idea that all truth is relative, mm-hmm. that you can create yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the problem from a biblical worldview is that you can't create yourself. You were never just yourself to begin with. You have people that are a part of who you are, and you are not an isolated unit that gets to just decide everything for yourself, right? And and I think in a hyper-individualized culture that the West is, it's now being imported and, you know, being scrambled up by the rest of the world in, in their own way. But a lot of times, it's being accepted without really analyzing where it's come from. Mm-hmm. Or where it's going to lead us, you know what I'm saying? Like the robot thing, which in reality, it wouldn't be a problem if someone said they were a robot, if society wouldn't affirm that. Does that make sense? Because someone can say they're a robot and we could say, that's great. You're not. But if that's what you want to say to yourself, like, okay, but we're not going to accept that. But the worldview of Basically, let's not offend anybody and everyone gets to be right. So, And essentially, that is born from everyone gets to be right because I want to be right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because most of the time when we're doing something that we know is probably off, as long as someone else doesn't call us out on it, we won't call them out on it, right? When when a thief sees another thief stealing, he's not going to yell at that guy's stealing, right? Because he's going to draw attention to what he's doing as well. And I think in the core of all of us, when we are living in a place, because we are, I believe we're all made in the image of God. Jesus clearly says it. Genesis 1, where we just read, clearly states that we are all created. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. You are created in the image of God. And so when we live out of dysfunction, dysfunction being not living into the purpose that God has created us, which is to bear his image. And if his image is man and woman, right, to create us man and woman, when we live in dysfunction sexually, we have to come up with a rationale, just like Adam and Eve, to hide ourselves, hide our shame, to clothe, put the fig leaves on, right? Mm-hmm. And in a way, all of this kind of terminology, all this language, all this my truth, is really our own fig leaves, our own cultural fig leaves to hide from God. To, to not hear God's correction and voice to say, come back to me, what have you done? But instead, we want to go our own way. We want to demand our own rights. We Basically, the sin of Genesis 1, we want to be our own God. We want to be the determinants 
of our own sexuality, of our own lives. And God is inviting us to recognize that we're not great gods. <laughs> we're not great gods of our lives, but if we would trust him, even with our sexual identity, that even though it's hard, even though it may not feel like it fits just right, that there's a life available in him that is far superior to the life that we're trying to create now. And I think we see the fruit of that, the depression, the anxiety, the just pure directionlessness of a generation that has known nothing but this kind of worldview. Um, I think we see the fruit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just bring out the cultural debate also a little bit into that. I feel like uh, one of the biggest issue that we have like a really big uh, backlash on this, it's also because it questions every like other places culture, you know, it questions what we see, what people see, what people see and feel like normal because you were uh, for you to exist, uh, two people, you know, from different sex had had to come together, you know. Mm. They might have not loved each other before or anything, but at least for that moment, you know, there was this consent or there was this, I'm not ignoring, like, a not unconsensual sex, but it was act of two people who came together and said, okay, well, let's do this. And then, and then most of, and then it's, that's why a lot of people exist, you know. So come, and that's why it's very hard to accept that for a lot of culture because also what we see as normal is for those two people to come together. And so that's why when you come and say, oh, no, same sex can come together, and then it becomes questionable for, uh, for every single one because it's the normal thing. And uh, maybe to get on to question yeah, three. Yeah, that's what, that's what I wanted to do. So, yeah, I think... Um, we can we can go to the question three, which is um, uh, how do we live with a biblical view in uh, a world that has rejected it? How can we live? Yep. How can we um, see the biblical view in all things, in mainly sexuality, though we're having this uh, world that is saying no, that is saying no self-truth and the self-deception is the best thing to yeah. do, is the best way to go. Yeah, I would say, number one, the failure of us as believers to, to love people where they're at, meaning not accept their behavior, but to treat them with dignity, to treat them with respect, um, is a big result of why there is such a backlash as well, right? Um, I think people don't want to be called out on sin. That's the other aspect. But we as a church have failed to to stand our ground in a lot of ways, too, to say, you know, like, we believe that this is the image of God's purpose for our lives. But how do we do this in a way that is both kind and compassionate, but firm, right? And I think there's a delicate balance between um, standing for truth, standing for what we believe, right saying no like this is this is what the bible says like let's not try and make the bible say something that we want it to say so that we can feel good about ourselves we don't need to do that right we can basically say and make the decision you know if this is what the bible says we have a choice we either take god at his word and we walk with you through this journey right if you are struggling with this if this is some a battle of yours 
then let's walk together. Let's not reject you. Let's not say you can't be a part of the church anymore, you know, but if this is your battle, just like I have my battle, let's walk together through this, right? And what does this look like to die to self? Because at the end of the day, that's what Jesus calls all of his followers to do. And for someone who struggles with this particular thing, and I say struggle, meaning like this is something you really wrestle with, like who am I? What is my sexuality? I feel like I'm a guy in a girl's body, or I feel like I'm a girl in a guy's body. That identifying marker before Christ may have been your identity, but in Christ, you have a new identity. And the old you, as the Bible says, has died. That old you for me, looks a little bit different. That old you for Paulu looks a little bit different. And that doesn't mean when you accept Christ that that old you is just gone forever and completely, but part of the the journey of discipleship is learning how to put the old you to death to pick up the new identity that Jesus has given you, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if we can convey that all of us have to surrender things that we, we loved or held on to about ourselves, Um, that can't stay with us anymore if we want to follow Jesus. That's the first step. And then I think the second step is to do that with compassion, to do that with love, to do that with understanding, to have grace and mercy when people slip up and fail or when people come to us and are vulnerable and honest and say, hey, I am struggling with this. Our first reaction isn't, oh God, like you're you're untouchable, but okay, wow, like thank you for being vulnerable about that because 90% of the guys in our churches struggle to to stay faithful you know what i mean and that is just as big of a sexual sin as someone who says that i struggle with same-sex attraction or i i feel this way but i know physically i'm this way right like all of those are things that we can't just sweep under the rug and say ah you know just don't talk about that right but it's let's come together let's be vulnerable let's admit this is something that is hard for us to get through but with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of community, we can't stay where we are. We have to go forward mm-hmm. in Jesus, right? Um, so how can we learn to die to ourselves together, right? That would be my initial thought. Yes, and I feel like one one other issue that we have to always focus on also is the community issue because I just feel like uh, there is a big community uh, on that and most of the times community just helps us justify things mm. helps us um, avoid everyone else who is not part of that community just helps us um, to have this self affirmation or have this affirmation that oh, what you're doing is right as long as I'm doing it also and so what you're doing is right so it's really it's very very important that the church builds a safe community where people can come and just feel safe and that people who are really really genuinely trying to follow jesus and trying to be uh, disciples of jesus and call these people with those struggles to be part of that community and when they are part of that community they start seeing like the way of life they're just seeing how um how they should approach christ and the idea of the identity you know like 
the identity doesn't come from the community, doesn't come from the excuses that the community is giving, but that yeah. comes from Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the center, and we are all trying together to be part of this community. And being part of this community is trying to um, negate, neg- negate is that the word, yourself, trying to say no to yourself, say no to the sin, uh any uh, any kind of sin either sexuality either or uh, immorality either uh homosexuality you know but we're trying to say no to that and we have this community that helps us and guides us to become this closer the closer closer to jesus christ yeah and i think you know you're you're spot on about the community aspect in the sense of the voices again who we surround ourselves with matter um and so if someone is struggling with that aspect of their life, the voices they surround themselves with, the voices they believe, the voices they trust, those are the voices that inevitably are going to lead them one way or another, right? So if we're surrounding ourselves with people that we know love love us and care about us and are helping us to be more Christ-like, and those are the voices that we allow into our hearts and our minds to form and shape us, then we are going to move more and more in that direction. But if we surround ourselves with people that just tell us what we want to hear, just tell us what makes us feel good, just tell us, you know, just be true to you, this is you, we're inevitably going to believe that, right? And so really sexuality in all areas of our lives comes down to the simple idea of whose voices are we going to live and believe in? Because all of us are being discipled. All of us are being trained up in a certain way of being right all of us are being formed and shaped by outside pressures and the voices we're listening to in our own heads and so jesus is inviting us to hear his voice right when he says those who hear my teachings and obey them this isn't just like go to math class and learn how to do math right make sure you do the equation right but it's those who hear my voice and learn what my life is really all about, the life I'm presenting, you know, they're going to have the life that's built on solid rock. They're going to have the life that can stand against anything. That's Jesus' promise to us, that if we take his, his way seriously, we're actually going to find the life that we've been looking for. Because that's what we're all doing, right? Whether it's someone sleeping around or getting drunk or, you know, or they're chasing after a business idea or they're raising up a family you know i'm just naming all these negative things but there's positive things too all of these things that we do in life are with the intention of building a certain kind of life for ourselves and all of us want a good life i don't think anyone wakes up and says man i really want to trash my life today you know what i mean but we realize that there are certain paths certain truths that if we believe those things they are going to lead to destruction. Mm. They're going to spiral us down into a place of darkness, of depression, of anxiety, of self-hatred, right? And the great thing about the gospel is even when we've gone down those paths, right, Jesus, the good shepherd, is still coming after us. We're not trapped there. And that's the life that's on offer. And I would say that has to be the messaging. That has to be the reality of the community that we're trying to build as the people of Jesus, right? Like, we are not perfect. We are not here to say that we've got all the right answers all the time, but we know that if we pursue Jesus and we're obedient to him, that he is going to lead us to green pastures, right? That we're going to be by still waters and we're going to be okay. Yes. um, I think you said 
most of the things and i think from here i don't see like anything else to add unless to say yeah find a good community mm. find a community that's that's healthy a community that really cares about you it's not care doesn't care about creating excuses about one thing but mm. it also cares about you as a person and cares about your relationship with god so so yeah uh we're trying to do that here in Botswana, Kingdom Movement is trying to do that in campus ministry, and we have churches that are trying to do that. Yep. So, so yeah, if you want to be part of Kingdom Movement, you can contact us, and we will direct you to one group. You're a student in any university, and we'll try to co- get in touch with you and invite you to this amazing community. And also, if you want a guidance, if you're, you're looking for a church, also, yeah, you can just contact us, and we will get in touch definitely i think my final thought to anyone who's listening and maybe is struggling with this or wrestling with this in their mind they really do want to be faithful to jesus i would just say trust the voice of the master right yeah. surround yourself with people who want to pursue jesus who are not interested in just telling you what you want to hear and just walk in faithfulness right there will be hard days there will be days of temptation there will be days where you feel like a failure, right? Um, but the point is obedience and continued faithfulness. Get back up again and, and just follow Jesus, right? Um, and for anyone in our kingdom fam, we just want you to know that we love you. We care about you. We're praying for you. Um, we take God's word seriously. We take the way of Jesus seriously. We're never going to back down from that. But that doesn't mean that uh, anyone who's struggling with this is some sort of pariah mm-hmm. or you know, outsider in our eyes. You are a part of the family. You are loved. But we can't stay where we're at. I can't stay where I'm at, right? I have to continue to follow after Jesus. So, all right, guys. We love you. Catch you. you next week. Yeah. Bye. Hey, guys. This is Jake. If you are currently a university student on a campus in Botswana, we want to extend an invitation to you to get plugged into a discipleship group. So if you're interested, if that's something you want to do, if you want to begin to be a part of this family we call Kingdom Movement, we would encourage you to go into this episode's bio. There should be a link to our Instagram page. You can send us a message, and we will make sure to connect you at a time and a place that works best for you and your schedule for school. But we don't want you to miss this opportunity to get plugged in and a part of what God is doing on the university campuses here because we believe that you're a vital piece to what God wants to do to bring his kingdom, his wholeness, and his healing to the nation of Botswana and to the university specifically. So reach out to us today, guys, if that's something you're interested in. All right, thanks.